When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Sunday, December 17th, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio, video coverage of your Boston Celtics. I am Evan Valenti filling in for Larry H. Russell this week. Episode number 241 is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Get $50 off any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash Celtics using the promo code CELTICS at checkout. Well, folks, Celtics season rolls along into mid-December. Lots of good games to look forward to. Christmas Day game against the Wiz. Cleveland at home, January 3rd. Potentially the Isaiah Thomas comeback game. We'll see about that. The Timberwolves right after that. There's a game against the Lakers mid-month. And I don't really care what the record is. It's still the Lakers. Lonzo Ball, of course, uh, provides enough fanfare uh, for himself and a lot of attention to that game, but I'm still excited for that. And then, of course, it all comes to a close the end of January with the Warriors at the end of the month. A couple of big tests for the Seas coming up. But before we look ahead, we have a lot to analyze about what this team has already bu- done. Boxes to check, so to speak. Uh, Kyrie looking more comfortable, no question about that. Is on a tear recently scoring the basketball. Al Horford, a huge cog in the machine for Boston. The young guys getting better. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. But there are still some things that deserve some criticism, and to help break me all uh, break it all down is my featured guest Brian Robb of the Boston Sports Journal, and he's coming up next. So, you know, uh, going into the game against Utah, I guess the game after Utah, this is a Boston team right now. Again, shot 40, 41% from the field against Utah. They've had some struggles on both ends of the floor the past couple of weeks. Brian, how much of this, the, the the problems that Boston has, at least offensively, because defensively they're you know pretty good, they have mislaps, but offensively, how much do you attribute their lack of offense to roster construction, fatigue, you know, execution? What, what, what's wrong with the C's offense right now? Cause it's just not clicking. Yeah. It's, um, it's a situation where there's no doubt about that. The absence of Marcus Morris, uh, has loomed large. And see, that was a guy that, um, you know, as we saw Friday night in against Utah, when the Celtics missed 18 straight shots at one point in the first half, um, that probably doesn't happen if Morris is out there because he's a guy who he can make tough shots, he's willing to take them, and he takes a lot of pressure 
off of guys like Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, etc., from having to do too much with that second unit. Because Brad Stevens likes to keep that group together. He obviously has to, you know, wants to make the go-to score in there, whether it's Tatum or Morris. But Tatum at this point in his career, like he's obviously been a, a tremendous contributor, but he can also be a bit passive at times in terms of, you know, going after his own shot. So I think offensively the lows are there. They're more glaring now, I feel like, because they've kind of been there all year with this unit. But with the defensive drop-off in the last few weeks, uh, the team is definitely, you know, they're still overall one of the top best teams in the league. But if you look at their numbers in the last, you know, 10 games, they're more of a middle-of-the-road slash to below-average defensive team. And the bench offensively is not good enough to get away with that. And obviously that was a big problem for them uh, against Utah. And same issue for them against the Bulls uh, on uh, Monday night as well. Yeah, I just I look at what they've been able to accomplish lately or not accomplish recently. And you know when Gordon Hayward goes down, the the concept of the team changes from I thought a team that would be an elite offensive unit. I mean, I think we can all admit that I think with Gordon Hayward on the team, um, this team would be one of the better offensive teams in the league. To a team that would have to win with defense and would have nights and they have players that can go off and and, and score them you know points in bunches. And and you go back to what Brad said I think after the Utah game about how. They're not executing on on the especially defensive side of the floor. Like they they like to pound their chest when they score a lot of points, but a lot of times when that happens, you, know, you forget about you know some of the 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 more basic parts of winning a basketball game. And there's a whole another side of the game. And he's always he's kind of brought it upon himself too. And he, I I don't think I've ever even seen Brad do this before where. He called himself out. It's like we got out, like the Utah game. We got out coached, and I don't want to, you know. Uh, Quinn Snyder is a fantastic coach. He's one of the best young coaches uh, in the league today, no question. You just, ne- I've never heard Brad say that. And it just seems like this team may be getting away from what they do in terms of like you know le- leaning on that defense, playing like you know that third quarter against Golden State. You know what feels like forever ago. You know finding that team again. I feel like Brad is maybe trying to tinker with things. Um, a little bit, but still trying to make sure that team that they, that they, that they were able to make that run against uh, against Golden State, trying to find that version of that team again. Because I think again, this is a team that's going to rely heavily on their defense. I know offensively, again like, with their bench, as you mentioned, with without the the the, the use of Marcus Morris the past couple of games, it's been rough. Um, but that this is a team that needs to turn it up on that end of the floor, I, I think. And and I, I'm not sure if it's rotations. I'm not sure if it's just you know laziness or whatever. But um, Boston defensively right now is has been um, more middle middle of the road. I was looking at some numbers, and again, a big shout out to my buddy Greg Casoli who helped me out with this. Um, the the defensive numbers, you know, we knew they weren't going to be the 03-04 Pistons, which is what they were, that, that 16-game winning streak, they had the best defensive rating per 100 possessions in the league since the 03-04 Pistons. We know that wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to, you know, go throughout the entire season that way. But we've we've seen Boston go from a really elite defensive team to middle of the road, and I really can't understand why. Yeah, I think uh, a couple issues have kind of cropped to the surface there as far as the defense goes. I think, number one, um, I think the rebounding has fallen back to earth in a big way on the defensive end. Um, they, you know, Utah crushed them in that category on Friday night. But it's it's been a, if you actually again if you look in the last ten games, uh, they're a bottom five defensive rebounding team, uh, pretty much reverting to last year's form or the last two years' form on that part of the floor. So, um, and then you factor in the issue of that they're not. They're not really causing many turnovers either. They're 
towards the bottom of the league and forcing turnovers um, in turnover rate, I should say. And so that, again, leads to a couple issues where you're just giving teams a lot of possessions. You're not, you're not turning them over, and you're also giving them extra possessions with the offensive rebounds, and that just makes it you know, tough to keep teams from scoring if you're not doing either of those things well. And so I think you know, it's, it's, it's a combination of factors when you look at why those things are issues. You look at the injuries, you look at the, you know, just the, the construction and depth of the roster, the reliance on rookies, um, guys who may have been playing over their heads a bit over the first month, month and a half, guys who weren't ready to handle 20 minutes per night, like, you know, the, the Shemi Ojale's of the world. And then you look at the schedule, it's just been absolutely brutal um, in the midst of probably one of the busiest Decembers in Southwick's history right now. And it's it's not going to come to an end for the next couple of weeks. So, you know, Brad Stevens made some pointed comments after Friday night's game about, hey, you know, like the effort, you know, I think he's trying to kind of nip this in, in the bud before it gets too bad here because he sees the losses coming right now if they, unless they kind of, you know, wake up and get back to that, you know, that defensive focus they had at the beginning of the year. And, you know, they're not gonna, that might not be enough to get them to win in all these games, but, you know, it'll at least get them a chance and, there's been a couple games this week where they just haven't given themselves a chance. Yeah, the rebounding thing is something that Sean Graney's kept really good track of. And when the South, point blank, when the Celtics out-rebound the other team, they usually win the majority of the time. And it's it's something that, you, know, you mentioned, getting extra possessions is a huge thing. Um, in, in Boston, who, if you're a bad offensive team, right, and the more offensive possessions you have, the better. I think I, The schedule thing, you know, you brought that up. And this is, as you said, a murderous schedule. And I was going back. They've played like 16 games in 30 days, which seems unfathomable. When when you when you they talk about uh, before the year how uh, Commissioner Silver wanted to you know take away some of these four games and five nights and some of these back to backs, but it seems like Boston's schedule's been front loaded. And again, it makes this this team kind of hard to analyze. He's like these guys must be exhausted. Yeah, and teams go through these stretches at some point in the season. The Cavs did it in the first, whatever, 10, 15 games of the year. And then obviously have, have cleaned things up in a hurry since then. Um, the Celtics, you know, the, the Warriors obviously had a slow start to the year this year as well. The Celtics are, you know, they they came out of the gate flying after those first two games and and now are kind of, you know, reverting back to the mean a little bit. And, I mean, you know, we talk talking about they're still the best team. In the, like, they're still got a two-game lead in the East. They still have a you know, seven-game lead over the, the four seed in the East, which is Milwaukee. Actually, four teams are tied as of on Saturday here, um, and so they're, they're they're in great shape, given what the, the the situation that they've been dealt. But if they if they want to again hold off the Cavs, hold off the Raptors, kind of get through the the rest of the year here, kind of keep their head above water until Morris get back and the and the schedule kind of calms down, they're going to have to again kind of really hunker down in the next couple weeks and fight off the, the fatigue and fight off the, you know, the, maybe the lack of focus and, you know, come out of this stretch 500 or better, and then they'll they'll be in pretty good shape going into uh, a January that's going to be a very light schedule. Yeah, look at that January schedule. I was looking at it earlier. Golden State's in there. Cleveland's in there. There's a Minnesota game in there. Uh 
I can't wait for the Lakers game just because I love uh, when teams beat the Lakers this year. I'm really enjoying that. Uh, but I want to move off the schedule because we've talked about that way too much at this point. And I do want to focus on some key points of Boston this year. And the, one of the biggest, brightest, and probably the brightest spot of the entire team this year, I think, has just been the play of Kyrie Irving and how he's improved month to month, you know, with a bad game here and there. But he's been a, such a much better shooter uh, for the Celtics and a much better creator for the Celtics. This month, uh, 26, 27 points a game, 50% from the field, 50% from three, four assists a game, which I think would be more if this Boston team was not in an offensive funk right now. Um, he looks way more comfortable out there at, at this point. I mean, at the beginning of the year, he looked just as comfortable, but now he seems even uh, better. And the one thing that I keep going back to, Brian, with this Boston team is – how, like, Kyrie, there's not just another level of Kyrie that's coming, because obviously as he gets more comfortable with Allen and the rest of the team, he's going to be fine. But, you know, there is this giant thing that we keep sort of talking about, mentioning, thinking about, like, this is going to look even crisper, even better for Kyrie once Gordon Hayward comes back. And I don't think we've seen even close to the Kyrie that we're going to see when everybody's finally healthy. Do you? Yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of, given how good he's been in the last, month here it's it's i mean it's scary if you're a team around the nba and you still think that's the best is yet to come but yeah no there's no question that in terms of defending him in terms of you know what the what other options he's going to have around him like it is going to get better for him and he's he's put together you know i don't think he's he's probably shot below 50 percent like twice or three times in the last month and that's that's just an insane given the 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 volume of the shot attempts he's taking you know 19 a game and so he's and he's doing that you know with Marcus Morris sideline with Gordon Hayward sideline and with you know guys like you know Marcus Smart Terry there a bunch of below average shooters around him on a lot of nights so the fact he is doing this right now in the first two months in this new environment is you know, very promising, and he's going to get more comfortable. Brad Stevens is going to find out new ways to kind of get him more open in the offense. And once Hayward comes back and guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum mature even more on the offensive end, it's going to, you know, the 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 future is very bright from an offensive perspective for this team because they have a, the capability of producing some pretty lethal lineups around Kyrie. Today's edition of Celtics Beat is being presented by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its lot of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Casper's mattresses are designed by humans for humans, made right here in the U.S. of A. They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Casper's breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulate your body's temperature through the night. And they're not just a mattress company. Casper offers a wide array of products to ensure an overall better sleep experience. Buying the Casper is easy. Order online. It's been delivered to your door in a compact box. There's free shipping and free returns in the U.S. and Canada and then you get a risk-free 100-day trial. Considering we spend one-third of our lives on a mattress, it's so important to truly sleep on a mattress before committing. That's why Casper gives you 100 nights to try it out. Start slipping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash Celtics. 
and use the promo code Celtics at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's $50 towards any matches purchased by visiting casper.com backslash Celtics and using the promo code Celtics at checkout. I like the, uh, this, this, like, Celtics Twitter is obsessed with this. And, like, I, I always look at Dan Greenberg's, you know, mentions, and he always ends up having to fight the good fight or whatever. But one of the bigger conversations on Celtics Twitter right now is, like, who's the team MVP? And it really is only, like, Twitter banter at this point. But I thought it was interesting the other night against the Bulls where Al Horford played, Kyrie did not. And they really did struggle. Again, part of that you could you could put towards – uh, you know, fatigue, but part of that also is shot creation. And I don't, in Boston, because Tatum's young and Brown's young, they don't, not really ready for that kind of role yet. Um, Marcus Smart doesn't create enough separation to, to have this role in, in Rozier. Uh, it's too sloppy with the basketball. They don't have any shot creation on it. So I, I know people are like, oh, who's the team MVP? And I'm like, no, you don't, like, that's a really, cause Al Horford and Kyrie Irving are both very important to the Celtics. One on the offensive end, one on the defensive end. Al is the one of the front runners for defensive player of the year for a reason. It's not like he's just out there you know, fooling around. He's a very, very good defensive player. But the one thing I'll say in terms of this conversation, quote unquote, is I think Boston is a little bit more well equipped to handle games without Al Horford because they have so many other good defenders. And Meanwhile, you look at what this team looks like without Kyrie Irving, and it is a struggle fest. And I know people are trying to find a who's the MVP sort of discussion, but I like I think during this whole Al Horford is you know the team's MVP, we really did kind of devalue how important Kyrie and his skill set is to this version of the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that you guys mentioned the shot creation. Like, there's far fewer options for the Celtics in that area. Once Hayward went down, then, um, you know, defensively, they have Aaron Baines, they have Daniel Tice. Obviously, those guys are not Al Horford, but they are pretty strong defenders. And so you can get away with that um, at times when Horford isn't there. So, I mean, as far as the, the MVP discussion, I see the same stuff for you. I mean, I think, it, honestly, it, it depends. The real answer is, you know, tell me who they're playing that night, and I'll tell you who's the MVP of, like, you know, some matchups. Irving is going to be the MVP in terms of, like, the guy that Celtics need the most. Other nights, it would be Horford, uh, again, based on who the opposition is. But there's no, like, if you look at the whole span of the season, I think there is no doubt that, you know, the offense runs with Kyrie. He is, you know, carrying it, has carried it towards, you know, Floyd but surely out of the basement of the NBA from the first few weeks of the season to now. I think they're approaching, you know, between the top 10, top 15 offense in the league right now. And that is saying something when you are surrounded by, you know, a couple, you know, a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old in the starting lineup and a bench that is full of shooters and Smart, Rozier, and Ojale that are, you know, below 40% from the field. So it's Irving's value can be seen through that. He's, you know, his play in the fourth quarter, throughout the season has been unbelievable. And again, it's the, the Celtics have an embarrassment of riches between those two guys in Horford and Irving. But I think, you know, if you're going to choose one or the other right now, you got to go with Irving. I, I like, uh, I want to lead this, this train or this discussion or whatever you want to call it. But we got to get to a point where we stop calling like Tatum a rookie like during this season. I know he is a rookie this season, but he's just doing like, here's the example. 
oh man, he's shooting so well from three point range for a rookie. I think we just need to get rid of the four a rookie stuff. He's just doing stuff really well for a player at any age. I mean, the, the, the three-point shooting is unbelievable, don't get me wrong. But the fact that he's able to put the ball on the floor, attack closeouts, you know, live, start finding his mid-range game a little bit more, um, and adapt is, is like the biggest and, – and, like, I'm not going to lie, I was way into Markel Fultz when the, when the draft started. Um, but Jason Tatum has been so good and, and, and so quick to learn. That I think at some point we really do need to get rid of the the attribution at the end of everything we say with you know for a rookie or he's with keep stop mentioning that he is a rookie. I remember talking with Sean Grandy um, earlier this year about Tatum and I was like and we were talking about when did he look beyond his years? He goes after the first half against Cleveland, he stopped being a rookie right there. He wasn't a 19 year old kid that was afraid of the spotlight. He looked like a 20 you know 24 25 year old player. Who've been in the league for a long time. You gotta join me here, Brian. We have to stop the for a rookie nonsense. Jason Tatum is good, period. Not for a rookie. You with me on that? Yeah, I mean he's. I would <laughs> would give some of my fellow uh, Celtics writers some gruff when he, you know, they would write in the you know the first few weeks of the season. They were like, "Oh man, Jason Tatum could be really good," and I'd be like, "Well, you know, is he is he actually already really good?" <laughs> Based on how he's played, because no, it's he. The amount of consistency he's shown in the first two months of his career is, like you said, like it's not. You know, it's beyond just like, oh, it's good for it's good for anyone. And he, and that's why you know he's had a couple hiccups this past week, obviously in Chicago and against Utah. But beyond that, you know, he's he's scored in double digits. I think in twenty five of his thirty games. He's still, despite these two ugly games in December, he's still shooting 52% from the field for the month, averaging, you know, 13 points per game on eight shot attempts per game. So he's literally been one of the most efficient players in the league from that standpoint. And there's going to be struggles, I think, like defensively, the rebounding there, you know, that's dropped off a bit. Um, But, you know, from – where he's at, where he's, you know, how far he's progressed already and how much responsibility he's been given and how much he's, you know, kind of produced out of it. It's, it's, it's again, one of the, probably the, the biggest storyline this season, in my mind, you know, outside of, from a long-term perspective, obviously Hayward's injury tops it, but when you look at where this team is at and what it can do long-term, just like what you can see Tatum is already, is just, you know, a huge part of, you know, why it's really, like, why Danny Ainge has really created something that could be, you know, a perennial contender for, you know, at least a, a decade here in a couple of years, it seems like. I was trying to get Jared Weiss uh, to ask Brad about expanding Tatum's role, like, about like, a week or two ago, I think. I was like, you got to ask him this question, because it was at that time where Tatum was just on this crazy role, and he was unbelievable, and... Uh, and hyper efficient after every game. I was just posting about his true shooting percentage and how, you know, besides like LeBron, he was the best, like, uh, he had the best true shooting percentage for a non center in the league. It was on, it was just a ridiculous run. And then, of course, he came crashed on earth. And then my question would have been really bad. And I'm glad Jared didn't ask that, uh, at that <laughs> time. So I'm happy about that. But, uh, my thing with Tatum, because I'm, I'm looking for to kind of bring this full circle. You go back to the bench. 
And I thought maybe part of the the way you fix the bench, because that is a, a problem for Boston in the way they score off the bench. You just don't have a lot of guys to do it. And when Marcus Morris is out, it's even harder. Um, maybe I thought maybe a way to fix the bench was to stagger minutes a little bit differently so Tatum could get some of that creative, uh, that creator role with the second unit and, you know, pick on second unit wing defenders maybe and maybe get his confidence up in that way. And of course, there's always trades that can be made. Is there a guy out, like, as I look at the Celtics roster, and the, obviously the one perfect thing they could use right now is Gordon Hayward, a guy that could come off the bench, little shot, well, not off the bench, but can give them a little shot creation, um, some shooting from the wing, which they desperately need. They don't really need any more guards, but they need shooting from somewhere on the floor, and the wing spot is the most open spot right now. Is there a trade out there for you, Brian, that makes a lot of sense that you've kicked around, or should they just wait this out and wait for Hayward to come back and hope that he comes back this season? Yeah, I mean, I do think they're definitely going to have to use but they should use that exception, even you know, because that that's a big weapon for them, not just for this year, but you know you, you're trading for a guy in the last year of his contract, and then most of those guys you're gonna be able to keep bird rights on said player, and that's again pretty valuable for a team in the Celtics that they're not gonna have significant cap room or any cap room outside of the, you know, the mid level exception for the foreseeable future here, so. To be able to add a player that can help you not just this year, but if it stays within their payroll, can help them in years to come while still having all their other you know assets for next off season. I think that's a that's a you know could be a real big weapon for Danny Ainge. So I think um, as far as you know, just boosting the offense, a guy that I think is attainable and won't cost much um, that I like a lot is someone like Marco Bellinelli down in Atlanta who, you know, had some really good seasons with the Spurs a couple of years ago, playing just a, a supporting role off the bench. He's a great three-point shooter. He can create his own shot when you get into a He's not a great defender, but I feel like that's the kind of player that will still be useful for you, even if Hayward comes back, um, and definitely if he isn't. And he's someone who can create, you know, and dish the ball. So Tatum... You know, like I said, I, I'm with you on him. You know, wanting it'd be great to see him in a bigger role, given how what his efficiency is. But if he's not ready for that kind of a role yet, then you can have a guy like Don Alley will help to set him up and also be a better, you know, shot threat than someone like you know, than, than Smart or Rosier is at this point. So that's someone I like in that kind of a spot. Um, he obviously will be available with Atlanta's season right now. It'll just be a question of cost and you know. Do this, does Danny Ainge see a better options or obviously a bigger knee in the roster because things could change, obviously, in the next month or two years based on injuries or just the team's natural progression. Yeah, I thought it was foolish that people thought Danny would use this you know, player exception early on in the year because, the t- as we've seen, you know, teams' needs change throughout the year based on injuries and, and play and all those things. And so we, you know, we brought up rebounding for a second. Like what if the Celtics that that span was a just a, a span where they rebounded really well and now you're seeing a team that's reverting more towards last year. Maybe by the time the trade deadline rolls around, maybe you know maybe shooting isn't the biggest priority at that time. Maybe it is rebounding. So again, people that want Danny to use this thing now, I think are are foolish. It's not going to happen 
till the trade deadline or, or very close to it. Um, I think people need to pump the brakes because again, things do change and, and, and teams change, not just the Celtics, but other teams change. Like there could be a team out there that's contending right now. And by the time the deadline rolls around, maybe they're not contending as much and they want to get a piece for, uh, get something valuable for a piece they can move. So people that want Danny to improve the roster now, um, need to, need to take a chill pill because I think, you know, the Celtics are playing really well. They don't have to make a move right now. They are still going to play well. They're, it's not like they're playing a murderous row schedule in terms of they're not playing the Western Conference. They're playing the Eastern Conference. They're still going to win a lot of games. Just be patient. And what about what Danny Ainge has done so far throughout this rebuild tells you that he hasn't, you know, had a good idea, at least inkling of where to bring the team next. So, um, everybody out there that wants Danny to, to go, you know, nab Jaleel Okafor as soon as he possibly can or something to that extent need to just trust and have a little more faith in Danny as he surveys the league. And I, I thought Ryan Bernardoni, I just didn't make the podcast when I, when him and I talked, but you know, Bill and Itza from, uh, from Minnesota would make a lot of sense too. There's a guy that gives you wing shooting, uh, and a really good knockdown shooter, not just like, uh, an average shooter, really excellent. Like the people that want Lou Williams, I think need to go and, and relax because Lou Williams is a great player. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't really help them in their biggest, uh, void right now. Yeah. Lou, I mean, like there's no denying he's a great sh- shooter, but I'm not sure where you play him if you're also going to play, you know, smart and Rozier. Like that's a super small lineup if you're going to, Try to play those three guys together. Um, so that's, you know, he obviously, you know, maybe that's one of the best guys available when the deadline that comes knocking, but I think the Celtics can do better than that for their needs, obviously, based on the shooting or, as you mentioned, like maybe rebounding. This rebounding becomes even a bigger issue in the next month, and that's something they need to, they are better off addressing. But yeah, like you said, it'll be, um, it's a big weapon. They're, they know it is that, and they're going to kind of wait until they have an option they really like before using it because you never know who might become available um, up until the trade line. And that's going to do it for this episode of Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. If you want to hear more from me, make sure you check out my other Celtics podcast here on CLNS Media called Celtics Roundtable. Myself, Jonathan Levy, Matt Ignall, Jonathan Ignall, Lucky's Pipes out here coming at you all the time. The daily Celtics podcast for you on CLNS Media. You can follow me on Twitter at Evan Valenti. Some thank yous to hang out, of course, to my executive producer, of course, the normal host of the show, Larry H. Russell. Big shout out to him for letting me host this week. Our CEO, Nick Chelso of CLNS Media. Big shout out to Nick. Uh, thanks for everything you do. Steph Legrato, Chuck Dietz for providing music for me today. And my man Greg Casoli for helping me out in terms of some research. i give him a shout out here on the podcast. We'll see you next time on Celtics Media here on CLNS Media. You guys have yourselves a great holiday season.